Oh, um, it's Craig again here from the Man on Podcast, and I'm going to do another tactical breakdown of the fixture that is taking place in game week 33. Now, first off, sorry this is being released after the game week 33 deadline. Um, I know some of you may sort of take note of what I say on here and use it to help you make your FPL decisions for the game week. Um, obviously, that can't happen this week now because it's after the deadline, but it should still be useful when analysing the two teams in question for future game weeks, potentially. So the picture I'm going to do is, is Everton-Newcastle. That taking place on Thursday this week, one of the last games of game week 33. Um, and it could be helpful because in terms of expectations, I guess, for the game week, I know Isak's been a popular transfer in. There's a fair few of us that are playing two Newcastle defenders. So, um, and that's understandable, really, because there's a belief that Everton are fairly toothless in front of goals. So, Obviously, multiple clean sheets potentially there for those playing the likes of, of Botman and, and Trippier. Um, in terms of Everton, um, it's true to a point um, they've only scored once across the last three league games. So, hardly, they're certainly not the most prolific attacking team in the league. But what's significant, I guess, about this particular game um, against Newcastle is that Dominic Calvert Lewin is likely to start. And since Sean Dyche took over as Everton manager in early February, Calvert-Lewin's actually only started two league games. The 1-0 home win against Arsenal um, and then the 0-0 draw at Crystal Palace most recently. It's really not a stretch to say that he's the most invaluable striker to any club in the Premier League at present. Now, you could argue that Brentford would be a lot worse without Ivan Tony. Tottenham would certainly be a lot worse without Harry Kane. But the majority of other clubs do have at least a decent alternative to their main striker um, that provides some sort of cover as the backup um, I say it may mean a slightly different style. It may not be a like-for-like replacement, but they've got a solution um, in the forward position should that striker be unavailable. Um, Everton really don't. So Dyche, since taken over, is that to try Neil Morpé up front, Ellis Sims, Damari Gray. They've all led the line in, in certain games in cover with his absence. In those 10 games that he hasn't played um, or hasn't started, that trio I've just mentioned, they've only managed two goals between them. The Murray Gray scored in the, the draw with Nottingham Forest, and Ellis Sims scored late on in the draw with Chelsea. Um, however, it's, it's worth pointing out it's not so much Carver Lewin's goals that are the major loss, it's more the outlet that he offers the team. So, Everton's preferred and most successful strategy is to play direct, and that could be from Pickford or it could be from one of their defenders. And, and Carver Lewin is a far more formidable asset in terms of competing for such balls. And that could be, I say, goal kicks, or it could even be just someone hooking the ball forward. Um, but he always competes for balls and he's he's very good in terms of his, his aerial capabilities and general control of alleviating pressure. So, as I say, he's, he's a strong candidate to collect every ball sort of hoisted in his direction. Um, he'll, he'll make the defender play the ball, he'll get the ball under control and build a foundation for Everton to get forward. Um, and it can't be underestimated how valuable it is for a player of, of this skill set to help his team get out from defensive phase. I say he's it alleviates pressure and it prevents the opposition from sustaining pressure of their own. Um, it's really hard for defenders to, to basically not get out of their own half and teams that are good tactically can just swamp the ball and get numerous bodies around the ball. And if you've got no outlet, um, it's, it's really hard to basically defend in, in, in that situation. 
So obviously Everton play Newcastle here at Goodison Park and, and Newcastle are at their best when pressing from the front and regaining possession high up the pitch. Um, with Calvert-Lewin as an outlet, Everton are unlikely to give Newcastle, say, that option. Newcastle themselves, I guess, are another fairly direct team in the sense that they don't particularly like to build up from the back, from Pope um, and from their defenders. They tend to sort of play longer balls into midfield and compete. Although they have got a little bit better lately having a bit more industry in their build-up. And this is largely through utilising Bruno Grimmer as, as their sort of chief playmaker. And I think it's been clear when he's been given any sort of space, um, he looks forward to try and play into the final third. This was very noticeable, obviously, in the in the thumping of Tottenham recently, who had changed their formation to four at the back and never really got anyone close to, to, to Bruno Gumarez. And because of that, he constantly fired passes between the lines into the attacking players. Um, also ably supported, I should say, by Alexander Isak being in the team, who's more likely um, to provide a passing option for Bruno. He tends to drop off into space and collect the ball a bit deeper in comparison to Callum Wilson when he starts to tends to sort of hold a higher position and play on the shoulder of the last defender. So if you are going to disrupt Newcastle, um, you need to prevent Bruno from basically running the game. If you can do that, you've got half a chance. And if we go back to Newcastle games, to the game against Aston Villa, um, they did manage to do that. And that was for two decisions really made in, in and around their midfield. So on the offensive for Villa, um, they generated an overload and, and that did a really effective job of disrupting a Newcastle press. So both the wide midfielders for Villa, that was in that game, was Jacob Ramsey and John McGinn. Um, although they start as wide midfielders, they don't really play as wingers. They played narrow and they played slightly ahead of the base two central midfielders, which were um, Douglas Louise and Andrew Lindonka in that game. Also, Villa had Emi Buendia and he started more as a second striker alongside Ollie Watkins. But he dropped from the forward line um, into a slightly deeper spot as well, sort of between the two wide forwards. So Villa really were playing with, with five central midfielders in like a 2-3 setup with Louise and then Donko at the base. And then ahead of them, also centrally, were then Ramsey, Buendia and McGinn. Newcastle obviously played with three central midfielders and they never really found a solution to that overload. Um, Villa often found themselves with at least one midfielder in space that then could be found and then build from there. Obviously, they did a really good job of releasing Ollie Watkins to, to have chances in that game. Then without the ball, Villa were really good in the sense that Douglas Luiz, you, you could say man-marked Bruno Gumarez. Um, he didn't really allow him to control the game in the manner that Newcastle wanted him to. Um, Bruno struggled to pass forwards and Luiz was, was basically on his towel every time he received possession. So that probably could act as a blueprint to how to, to nullify Newcastle. And I'm hoping Sean Dyche picked up on this. He, he's, a, he's a better tactical manager than I think many give him credit for. He's far more intricate and detailed, I think, than many give him credit for. I think there's a false narrative surrounding Dyche from his time at Burnley that his, his chosen style is like a, a kick and chase long ball style, get it forward and, and see what happens. I think that's a bit of a disservice to Dyche. I think he's better than that. That was just the players he had at that particular instance. So here he's got, say, Calvert-Lewin back available. And he's also got Abdullah back from suspension. And also Josh Anana, I think, is expected to be fit from a groin injury. 
Now, these two midfielders are also very significant um, because of their use in the Everton press. So put those two alongside Adrissa Gay, and that's a midfield three then that's got intensity, it's got physicality, and it's got high energy. And that's very essential playing Newcastle in particular because that's an area where they can have an advantage over many teams. Newcastle have got a collection of physical and intense midfielders with long staff with Joe Linton um, and players like that. That it's an, it's an area, an area of the pitch where Newcastle tend to dominate a lot of games. But I say with 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 Gay, with Decore and Anana, Everton more than match up, I think, in terms of those attributes. Um and certainly more so um they compete than if they had to use the likes of Aksawobi or James Garner in midfield. Now I say those two aren't necessarily bad players. I'm not saying that they've got other skill sets, but they're not necessarily the type of players you want to try and nullify Newcastle and to to, to block them doing what they do best. Um so if you look at Decore, Gay and Anana. And they should be able to maintain that constant pressure on Bruno that I've said that Douglas Luiz did so well. And I say they're not get outdone with a physical battle with the likes of Joe Linton and Longstaff. So I think it'll be an interesting matchup at 3v3 in midfield and who comes out on top. There's certainly not an obvious winner um, pre-game before we get into that. So say both the teams in theory play quite direct. So it's a, it's a direct versus direct game tactically. And this should... Sue Everton, because as I've said, Calvert-Lewin has better attributes for this style, I think, than, than Isak or Wilson do, um, whichever Newcastle decide to play up front here. But obviously, the, the Newcastle advantage comes from the fact that they've got better players and so are more likely to have someone that produces that moment of quality that could change the game, whether that's an Almiron long shot, whether that's a St. Maximan dribble or something, it won't be him, I think he's injured, but you get the idea. I think Newcastle just got, be- got better one-on-one players that, that may have that moment, even Isak. So what am I predicting for this game? I think it will be I think it'll be close. I'm, I'm going to go for a 1-0 Newcastle win because of that point about the slightly superior quality. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if this was 0-0, 1-0 or even a 1-0 Everton win. I say Everton have got the capabilities of making this really difficult and they've got the outlets that, especially with Calvert-Lewin, that gives them a chance in this game. Unlike where I think a lot of games you look at Everton and think where the goal is going to come from I say the, the bigger question to ask is, do they have an outlet? I think in a lot of the games, where do they get control of the game? Where can they compete? And can they sustain possession higher up the pitch with Calvert-Lewin bringing the ball down, uh, making defenders sort of concede throw-ons, just anything like that. I think he's such a he's such a valuable player for Everton and he shouldn't be underestimated more, more from that side than his goals. So, yeah, low-scoring game I'm predicting. I don't think Everton will take risks in the sense of playing into Newcastle's hands by trying to play out from the back. Can't see that happening. They'll compete physically and with intensity centrally. And I say they've got Calvert-Lewin up front to offer an outlet um, that should disrupt Newcastle building up territory and building up pressure for the likes of Bruno then to, to try and play those three passes. Um, what it will mean then that Newcastle probably would have a lot more ball at the back than they may be used to. And I say building through the phases through midfield and into the strikers is still something that I would say is a work in progress for Newcastle. And if you're looking at recruitment in the summer, it's those sort of players um, that probably should be the focus. Um, because at the moment, if Bruno is nullified and is kept fairly quiet and is unable to pass forwards to the level that Newcastle want him to, the other midfielders and defenders maybe can't 
don't really have the attributes, I don't think, to step up and, and take over that mental from him. So you can, I say, disrupt Newcastle. So that's my thoughts on how the game will go. Um, let's hope Calvert-Lewin doesn't get injured in the first half or something like that, because if he stays on the whole 90 minutes like he did against Palace, I think he'll, he'll help Everton massively. Um, and a lot will come down to whether Anana's fit and whether they the midfield from Everton can do a job at... Uh, um, preventing basically Bruno running the game. So yeah, that's my thoughts for this one. Um, I'm not sure when I'll be back again next. It's obviously a very quick turnaround before game week 34. And if I'm being realistic, it's unlikely I'll get a pod out before the deadline. But I'll try my best to. Um, if anyone's got any thoughts on the game they want me to cover, then feel free to send me a tweet um, and I'll um, look into it. I can't say I won't make any promises before the game week 34 deadline. Worst case, I'll be back for game before game week 35. Um, okay, thanks all for listening. Uh, until next time.